Hello, everybody. Welcome to Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. This is a podcast where we talk about all the ways that DNA testing has been turning worlds upside down for people. It's increasing in frequency because of mail-in DNA kits like 23andMe and Ancestry.com. But uh, that's not the only way it can happen. It can happen all sorts of ways. People find papers, phone calls come in. There might be a Facebook message. Yeah, secrets are spilling out. And a lot of people want to talk about it, including me. I'm Eve Sturgis, your host. I am here today with... I told her earlier, and now I'm telling you, my listeners, that we're doing it a little bit differently where I am trying to do my intros with my guests I thought it might feel more organic to everybody and smoother for me. So one thing I have done before and I like to do and that Kathleen was on board for was um, I like to partner with the other podcast called NPE Stories. And that is hosted by Lily Wood. And she and I are buddies and she interviews everybody. She's got everybody's NPE stories. And so what I like to do is find if people have people come to me or I go to them and want to talk with them and they have done Lily's podcast already. What we like to do is call that like part one. So we're doing that today. So if you want to hear Kathleen's story, all the details, all the nitty gritty, the old, you know, how old is it now, Kathleen? It It's episode 75 and it was done March 23rd of 21. So if you want to get the whole kitten caboodle, you're going to go over to NPE stories with Lily Wood and you're going to listen to episode 75. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Yep. 75. Um, and then, so, so do that first. We'll wait. And then just so you know, the title is Wendy Kathleen's story. Are we going to talk a little bit about your name experience today? Yeah. Okay, cool. So listen to that and then come on over here. And this is the update. It's been uh, 14 months. Things are kind of always happening, I think, for a lot of MPEs. Um, so she's going to give us an update today and talk about some other things. And we're just going to kind of explore other aspects of this experience that I think um, she has discovered is unique to her. But then, of course, like we all keep saying, there are these commonalities that bring us all together. But hey, let me talk to you about something else really quick first. Did you know that I consider myself a casual vegetarian? Yeah, when I'm not making this podcast, I'm also not eating meat. Whether you're a vegetarian or not, you may have discovered non-dairy creamers, and I love oat milk. So I'm going to tell you real quick about Willa's Kitchen. Willa's was founded by two sisters who were tired of plant-based milks that were mostly made of artificial, highly processed ingredients and loads of sugar, rather than actual plants. Plus, their grandmother Willa's recipe used real organic ingredients to create a deliciously smooth oat milk, and they thought, why not bring hers to the world instead? As they started on their entrepreneurial journey, they kept learning more and more about the way plant-based milks are normally made. Heavy processing, loads of food waste, and lots of funny business, including ingredients like rapeseed and canola oil that they didn't want to be drinking or feeding their kids every day. The biggest shocker they found was that oat milk is typically made with the oat sugar, and the best part of the oats are filtered out. This resulted in oat milk with a super sweet taste without all the benefits of the oats. Willa's is made with the entire oat, which gives it a rich, smooth taste and maintains all the oats, protein, and prebiotic fiber, which makes Willa's zero food waste. It's not just a healthier, more sustainable milk. It's super tasty. 
And I can tell you, listeners, they sent me a box, and I'm loving it. Willa's has been highlighted in Bon Appetit not once, but three times. Find Willa's Oat Milk at willaskitchen.com. That's W-I-L-L-A-S-K-I-T-C-H-E-N.com or on Amazon. If you use the promo code Everything's Relative, you get 20% off and you'll be supporting this podcast. That's promo code Everything's Relative to get 20% off. Okay, thanks. Back to the show. Thank you for being with me here today, Kathleen. Thank you for having me. Um, your hair today is blue. Uh, blue. Mm-hmm. Um, the purple that was mid-range has faded, and so ha- and there's just a teeny little tip of teal left. It looks amazing. I wish <laughs> I wish this was a show so that people could see your hair. Um, or maybe you should have an Instagram account or something where you're just. Oh, I do have an Instagram. Account. You do? Oh, you do. I should what? post more hair pictures there. Yeah, too. you should. Do you post your art there too? I don't post a lot of my art, which I should do. I do yeah. have a Facebook uh, photo gallery. Okay. Art gallery. Okay. But... All right. Good idea. So, yeah. So why don't you give us um, like a synopsis of what people would hear if they run over to NPE stories? Okay. Um, they would hear that at the age of 49, my adoption was outed because I could not get a passport. I did not... Um, submit to the government when I applied, telling them why my birth certificate was filed 14 months after my birth, which oddly enough was 65 years ago today when through the court system, my name was legally changed from Wendy Dudley to Kathleen Shea. Hey, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I have listened to this episode and I do not remember that you had a full name change. So as a baby, you had a full name of Wendy Dudley? Yes. And then your name was entirely changed? Yes. 14 months later upon your adoption? Yes. Okay. I have feelings about that. How do you feel? <laughs> it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's weird. And when I heard the story of how I came to be Wendy... Um, she was told at the maternity home to pick a name that she would never, ever use again, not for another child, not even for a pet. And she chose Wendy. Initially, I was like, oh, I have to, I have to change my name. It has to be Wendy Kathleen. So I grew up being Kathy and Wendy Kathy just didn't sound good to me. So that's when I started using the Kathleen. And I knew that I couldn't I mean, at age 49, how it's too hard, at least in my mind, and for my people around me, it was too hard to change my name to Wendy Kathleen. I have a few friends who have changed their names over the years, and I have to say it gets harder and harder. I try. I really, really try. I really try and do my best. But I've had a few friends change their names as adults, and it's it's very hard as a friend to to keep it up. Yeah. And, and I actually have a funny story um, that I worked with a neurologist. We had a receptionist named Jana, and he, for whatever reason, could not get my name straight. For like five years, he called me Janet. And that story is just <laughs> so much funnier and lighter than the Wendy that's yeah. the name that you wouldn't want it 
even even name a dog. So when we do Zooms, and there are tons of Kathleen's, Kate's, Kathy's, I changed my name to Janet. Oh my gosh. That is so funny, Kathleen, especially because if you couldn't get your name right when it was Kathy Mm -hmm. and he kept calling you Janet. So it's like, he wasn't even getting it remotely close. He just didn't know who you were. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, That is funnier. That is funnier than the Wendy story that the Wendy story is sort of like, like to me, it felt, it feels, um, mm, I don't know, sort of, sort of symbolic and and symbolic of the of the takeover of adoption and the erasing of history and the mm-hmm. like brings up the word trauma for me so mm-hmm. there's that already and then you explain this it's a name that you would never use even for a pet and it takes a darker turn that yeah. feels really heavy to me yeah wow wow kathleen yeah, I've watched your name change a little bit here and there on, um, you know, on the social medias. But mm-hmm. um, knowing the story, it's really I can tell why it's really a part of um, this journey for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. OK. Continue. So the adoption gets outed. I was put in touch with the Elizabeth Lund Center in Burlington, Vermont, which is where I was born And oddly enough, when my adopted dad thought he had been invited to go to probate court with me because the trip was in September and we were in August and still hadn't gotten any word from probate court, I just said, oh, I'm going to go sit in probate court. I hadn't intended to invite him. That mm-hmm. wasn't why I said it. Because I, you were waiting for your passport was, or I the could, birth certificate to get the I passport. Get, so I think that pushed him to push my mother. Hmm. And so they called me one day at work and said, can you come to the house? And I had actually found out two days before by looking in my own medical record um, that said adopt a baby, four pounds, four ounces, premature, um, I had made arrangements to actually talk to the psychologist at work to problem solve with him. Do I tell my parents, I know, do I, you know, what bubbles have they set up? What defenses, what am I going to burst and all of that? Wow. And then it, you know, we were supposed to meet for lunch that afternoon. And then that morning came the call from my father saying, come to the house. And I'm like, sure. After work. And he's like, no, come now. Hmm. Um, and there's never a supervisor when you need one. So luckily there was a person sitting in our flow room. I'm a nurse um, and I was doing triage phone nursing at the time. And not everybody can sit on that phone, but luckily Rebecca didn't have a place. So I popped her on my phone. Thank you, Rebecca, for that day. Oh, I call those God moments. And there have mm-hmm. been several God moments during this entire journey. Um, like the fact that two weeks after I looked in my chart, the paper charts were moved off site because our electronic medical record came what? into being. Wow. Yeah. Talk about timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that my mother tried to get the doctor to erase adopted baby from my chart. Cause she was the secretary. And so she oh. filed his note for that day and went right to him and said, no, you got to get rid of this. And he said, no. 
And mm -hmm. so I'm forever grateful that he said no to her. Yeah. It's just like each moment is a, maybe you would have found out eventually, but each moment is a, is a real, like make it or break it. All he would have had to do, however long it takes to, to erase two words is how long yeah. it could have taken to yeah. change this whole story. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily he didn't, he didn't do that. And the other God moment is that the other family in town who adopted from the same place at the same time actually remembered where they brought their kid home from because my parents couldn't remember. Can oh, you wow. imagine that phone call? Hey, whatever the guy's name mm -hmm. was, um, where'd you get your kid? Cause we both adopted at the same time, but we can't remember where it was. That's amazing. That is amazing about what memories stick with you and what don't and the names of things and how, like I have, wow, I could really, I could just, ju we could just dissect that for the rest of the hour. Yes. <laughs> we won't, but yeah. Okay. Yes. So your parents are going to tell you that you're adopted, but you so have found they out. Tell, they tell me I'm adopted. They put me in touch with the adoption coordinator who has me then call her when I get back to work and I get the non-adoption identifying information. The process is that there was something she was looking at from her end that made her tell me that I needed identifying information. And I, because I never completely fit in with my family and I had a wonderful family. I had a sister five years younger and, you know, parents were great. They were great people. Um, but I was just so different. My body shape was different. My problem solving skills were different. I was just different um, and had asked pretty much every family member if I was adopted and everyone said no. Mm -hmm. So I convinced myself that I was crazy and that it was just my problem and I needed to just get over it. That right there is, I mean, that right there is the whole problem yes. with this whole system, right? Yeah. Is that I, I imagine that your family thought they were doing the right thing. Yes. Like so many, so many people probably if I don't think there's a way to, to, to interview, you know, survey this, but they all think they're doing the right thing, not understanding this sort of gaslighting isolation they're creating. Yeah. For all of the human humans, all the offspring, mm -hmm. all the adopted, all of mm -hmm. the NPEs, like all the donor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would later, I would later find out all my friends knew they never talked about it because I never talked about it. And most of the town knew my mom had three baby showers. Wow. That's unbelievable that your friends never talked about it. Yeah. Knowing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I reunioned in 2005. Um, we were sitting with the adoption coordinator. Now my, my mother had dementia. Mm. So the adoption coordinator called her to see if um, she remembered we were coming. And she apparently didn't, but a, a guy answered the phone. 
and he was not going to let the adoption coordinator talk to this lady. So at that point, I kind of knew I might have a half brother. Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm sorry, I know that I'm, I'm pretty, I'm following, I'm following the story, but this is your bio mother. This is my so bio. The adoption coordinator is trying to help you reunion. With yes. Your we're, adoption mother. we're going to go meet, I'm going to go meet my bio mom for the first time on this, on this day. But she has dementia and a man and, is not letting yes. talk on the phone. So there's probably a half brother. Yes. So finally he acquiesces she gets to to talk to her. And so when she hangs up the phone, she looks at us and she starts talking about exit words and all these strategies, because she's feeling like this is not going to go at all well. And all earlier in the car, when I asked my husband what he thought, or my ex-husband now, um, he said it was going to be a disaster. Mm. And I kind of felt like I was a good person and not all of that can be nurture, right? Some of that has Hmm. to be nature. So I'm thinking that's probably going to go. Okay. But you have this glimpse of optimism, glimmer, a glimmer of hope. Yes. Yes. So we get to the house and this guy comes down the stairs and the first they live, they live in the top half of a duplex. And the first thing I notice is his salt and pepper hair. And I'm like, oh, he has my hair. And, you know, he, he said, Kathy. And I said, yes. And he said, I'm George. And he gave me a big hug. And there was an audible sigh from the adoption coordinator. They walk <laughs> up the stairs. And there's this little lady with white hair who's not quite five foot tall. Maybe she's five feet. Um, and the first words out of her mouth was, I'm so glad you have your father's height. Oh, and so we go inside and I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to chat away and I don't know what to say. So they tell me to start to tell my story. And once I get started on my story, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good to go after that. And so we looked at photo albums and He's talking about his Italian father. And I knew in the letter she had sent me that my father was Italian. So I'm not feeling comfortable asking the question. And George maybe caught on or was having his own similar thoughts. But he said, Mom, is there something we need to know? And she said, yes, you're full siblings. So for me, that was the absolute gift of reunion. I had wanted a brother my entire life, tried to make my cousins my brother's um so that was the gift and we have remained close um I went up at least twice a year for weekends um mom died in 2015 in October and then adopted mom died four months later in February so I kind of felt like I had to grieve them both Mm -hmm. together yeah um, and then in 2000 and towards the end of 2018, I wanted to see how much Italian I had. So I did my DNA and it came back with no Italian. Oh no. I'm so embarrassed that I did not see that coming. Yes. You buried the lead. You buried the lead. <laughs> we have a double NPE here, an LDA NPE. Yes, yes we do. 
And because denial is such a wonderful thing, and my brother George and I discussed that, well, maybe Peter was the MPE, um, Peter being his father. And I had actually gone to Italy for two weeks and spent three days in the hometown of what has now ended up to be my brother's ancestors and not mine. Hmm. That was so nice of to go do for him. <laughs> wow. Nice? How nice of and them to loan, even, to loan you their heritage. Yes. And I even reached out to the half sister and met her. Um, and then three days later, got the rejection email. So I was kind of feeling like a well-rounded adoptee because I'd gotten the maternal acceptance, the paternal negative um, rejection. So I grieved that a bit and I just really denied it and put it out of my mind. And then my brother said that he would do his DNA. And so he did it for his birthday. And on December 31st of, of 19. So let's see, my adopted dad died October second of 19. So here we are, December 31st of 19 at mm-hmm. six o'clock in the evening, my brother's DNA comes back and there's the Italian. And I totally lost it. Mm-hmm. Because I could not deny it anymore that I lost the love story of Peter. I lost all the synchronicities that I had with Peter. And then I said, oh, well, yeah, Christine was right for rejecting me because, yeah, we're not the least bit related. And then it's, okay, who's my dad? Wow. Wow. Okay. I keep saying, wow, I got to come up with a different word. Holy mackerel. Um, That is so much. That's so much in a small amount of time. Yeah. So once again, I'm grieving the dads as one. Mm -hmm. That is so interesting that they would both, they would both happen sort of synchronistically like that. Um, and, and so since then, have you discovered who your dad is or what's, what has happened? Yes. I, I started working the DNA matches and I reached out to who I thought was possibly a half brother and sent the friend request for Facebook and sent a note um, and friend request was denied and was totally ghosted. And so I let a year go by and I was like, "I, I don't know if I can blow somebody's life up again, like I did with Christina. Um, But yet there was this, it was sort of like sitting on a balance beam where one side is, I have to know, my cells have to know there's just this driving need versus I don't want to be responsible for messing somebody else up. Can I live with that? So finally, I had gotten some responses back from DNA matches, several ghosted, but I got lucky with a second cousin. Um, My tip to people is go with the younger generation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
they're the ones that I think maybe don't feel quite the familial hold that the first cousins um, might, or maybe they're distanced enough. Maybe mm -hmm, that's the, mm -hmm. the better, the better word. So I got names. So I knew I had the right tree and I had the right branch. I just needed to weed out the three limbs. And so one limb got weeded out by um, my uncle's grandson, who was a match to me. And I was pretty sure that the second branch, who he, he drove, Uncle Elmer, he drove oil truck, but George worked at the same place my mother did. Oh, <laughs> I was pretty okay. sure that that was, mm -hmm. that that was mm -hmm. him. And in fact, I had sent my brother a message saying, you know, do you know any of these names? And he said, well, yeah, um, this guy, George, dated mom when I was about 11. And I we spent weekends on his boat. Um, so... I hemmed and I hawed and I hemmed and I hawed. And then somebody in the group wrote a piece on, have you done it yet? And so that was the catalyst. And I said, okay, I'm going to reach out to the potential half sister and just let it be known that if she doesn't respond, then I am totally done. I will never know. I will grieve the loss of my other half because mm -hmm. I had gone back into my medical record and erased my paternal medical history again. Wow. Question. Yes. Um, George, your brother. Yes. Is, is he 11 years older than you? Does no, that, George, my George, okay. no, George is okay. actually 21 months younger than I am. Okay. Okay. All right. So maybe something was rekindled later when he was 11. That's what we're saying. Okay. No, that's, okay. That's Aha. Interesting. Yes. So I sent the message off and immediately the friend request was denied. Mm. So I even went to one of our group Zoom meetings and said, and excuse my language, I said, I am done with the shit. It's over. I'm putting it to bed. I am done. And then I'm sitting at my desk and a week later, I get a message on Messenger from the half the sister saying, how how can I help you? Who are you related to? Me or my husband? So I told her the story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she agreed to test. And I mean, I, I kind of love it because she's very, she's known for taking in stray animals. Oh. And, and I, I just kind of felt a little bit like the, the, the stray out there mm -hmm. in, in the universe. So, you know, this, this, this person, of course, would... Um, be willing to help me. A stray sibling. A stray sibling. And she said, yes, I sent her the test. And then I had an absolute moment, moment of panic. I was oh. in the grocery store. She sent me a message saying she had received the kit. And I'm like, oh crap, what if she's an MPE? What if I'm opening this whole can of worms for her and everybody's dead? She's not going to get any answers. I know I sound like a raving lunatic because here I am, I'm asking her to test. And now I'm saying, oh my God, don't do it unless you really want to do it because problems happen. I hadn't even thought of that. And you're totally right. I mean, like the whole point of our, of the show and 
what we talk about and what we're in the groups about is to talk about how common this is. And I still didn't even think of that right now. Oh God, I'm a part of the problem. Yeah. So, I, and I emailed one of the people in the group who I knew was just going to roll her eyes and say, oh my God, you crazy thing. Um, so she sent back a thumbs up and then she later messaged, you know, I've, I've handled a lot. She's 10 years older than I am. Mm. Um, I've handled a lot. I can handle whatever comes to being. So, and we chose Ancestry because I knew she would have more family on Ancestry than 23 and Me, so she'd have more matches. And I wanted her to have a good... That was really <laughs> considerate of you. Yes, a good experience, yes. Um, and she did one day send me a message saying that um, she now is kind of obsessed with genealogy and thanks for this. She got the bug. Um, she got the bug. I purposely sent her the ancestry levels of center Morgans, how the DNA is measured out, because it's not super clear. That's the one thing that 23andMe is better about, because they will tell you what the match is, whether it's parent, half-sibling, sibling, whatever. Whereas 23andMe it reads out close family to first cousin. So on April, (laughs) which is broad of 2021, when her DNA results come in and I am, it was my day off. So I'm lounging and I get this message saying we're first cousins and her, my father's Elmer And now she just has to sort of put it together as to how the connection was was made, Elmer and my mother. Um, I'm one of six, well, I would be number six of the sisters um, with them having lost a a baby brother at birth. Hmm. And I immediately go in and look at my DNA matches. And my brother was 1837 or something like that. And this sister is 1999. So I'm of Santa Mar- Morgan. Morgan. She right. is my half sister. This is not a cousin. No sister. She said, she said, she said you're Elmer's, but that was incorrect. Yes, no. Okay. No, I am her. <laughs> I am George. I am George's. My brain was cartwheeling into scenarios of how George could have had an yeah. event, and then Elmer was there and because his brother, and then, 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 then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, yes, yeah. So no, it was, wasn't that complicated. It was George. They worked together. In fact, George, Peter, and my mother all worked all worked in the same place, so they were all friends. I'm sure. I'm mm-hmm. sure of it. So. I make a comment about being half sisters and it doesn't land. Mm. And so I'm saying to myself, okay, if I have to be a cousin, I'll be a cousin. I don't really care. I have the information now that I need. Mm. So in May of 2021, a year ago, a year ago, she invites me to her camp. Mm. So I go and 
Um, you know, people stop by as they're going to their campsites because this is a group of people who have been camping together for years. So she would introduce me as her cousin and people would sort of look because we look alike. Oh. And the first time in 64 years that I was with people who actually looked like me. I thought my adopted mom looked like me, but when I saw the real thing, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. no. And, <laughs> that changed and, I don't, and I don't even look that much like my maternal brother who I thought, oh yeah, we look and and no, take the blinders off. Right. Um, just the and, salt and pepper and, hair, just the salt and pepper hair was yeah, enough. Just was enough for a while. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I to a couple of people said we're actually sisters. <laughs> and apparently she had invited her brother to come to camp. And he'd never been to camp before to meet his cousin. And apparently he was mm-hmm. interested enough to meet the cousin that as we were walking back from taking the dog from a, from the walk, um, I saw him standing there. And I had, of course, stalked on Facebook like we all do. So I knew what he looked like. And I was just so excited. Oh, my God. I'm sitting in a room with two people who look like me. I mean, it's just so amazing. And, and I I was a little emotional in, in that it was just kind of hard to process. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think people, and I I don't, it's not that I don't think people understand because I don't think it's anybody's fault, but I think in general, we underestimate the experience of being with people that look like us, how powerful that is as an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. when you, when one has not experienced that ever and, uh, there, uh, what's called genetic mirroring. It's a term often used the most in, in the adoption circles because of that experience, but it happens. Um, so I just want to, yeah, I just want to, like, I can, I, I think there are people that, that, that are probably, I imagine, I don't know, but I imagine there's someone out there listening and thinking like, because she looks like them, like it was emotional or it was moving. Like what's the big deal? What's like, and it is such a big deal, yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> it is it so. It really is. It's huge. So powerful. It's, it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. And, and the same thing with the immediate feeling of comfort. It's like the, the DNA in my cells have honed in to the DNA in their cells. And there's this instant connection made. I felt, I felt that with my maternal brother and I felt that with my paternal sister and brother. Um, and then we started talking and there's a whole lot of places I've been that are the exact same places that my brother has been, especially on the East coast. Um, it just was amazing. So I am a big fan of more nurture. No, n- more nature, nature. than nurture. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mm-hmm. have to be careful because I tend I know. to say that I get backwards. Them, I, get, I get them mixed up all the time. I also get, a, get quantity and quality mixed up all the time. <laughs> but, it, but for me, it's nature. Mm-hmm. There's a huge, huge piece, just an undeniable component to your yes. experience, to your experience. And so while we were sitting there talking, 
I had the opportunity because my brother said something about, well, knowing dad, this isn't a surprise to him. And there might be more of me out there. But he said it in a way that, well, I'm surprised we don't have more siblings. I'm surprised you're not a sister or something like that. Yeah, something that made the segue feel natural. And I said to him, well, I am your sister and I have the DNA to prove it. But of course, the Wi-Fi at the campground wasn't very good. (laughs) So luckily, my friend who has sort of helped search angel wise has my DNA was and messenger was working. So she was able to message it to me. And so I was able to then show the proof. And then my brother turned to his sister and said, I thought she was our cousin. You invited me under false pretenses. And then I went, oh, hey, wait a minute. And just explained how ancestry says close to first cousin and honing on the first cousin and, and blah, blah, blah. So we, we diffused Woo! Wow, that was nice um, of you. <laughs> wow. Um, good thing you knew. Good thing one of you knew what how to read all that stuff. Um, yeah, that could have been a real yeah, yeah. Could have been a real different kind of camping trip. Absolutely. So what was really kind of interesting for me is that I worked with a lady who died early in life, and she had a daughter who is a hairstylist. And she is phenomenal with hair color. And it had been sitting in the back of my mind, but it was really interesting because it was like, I needed that piece of my identity to be filled in. I needed all of my parts and pieces before I could say, okay, Ashley, let me be your canvas. And I knew when I'd had my colors done years ago, that fuchsia was my best color and so was silver. So I had her dye my hair pink. You, it's so funny because you're in fuchsia right now and the blue in your hair is creating a kind of sterling frame. And I'm, and I'm like, yep, that's absolutely hundred percent right. You look amazing. Um, so, so, so the first color that you went with was, Oh, that was the first pink. color I, fuchsia. I uh-huh. went with was, was pink. And I mean, it, it looked great. She did a great job. And then the next time I thought, well, I think I really want to try purple. So we did purple on the top, fading into blue. And then there was some light blue. And that was really stunning. And that was the moment I was like, okay, the pink, no, thank you. That needed to be an entry color. (laughs) But from now on, um, I'm going to keep the more vibrant purple mm-hmm. blue. Mm-hmm. I don't know, deeper, and, deeper winter colors or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what they're called, I but jewel tones. Yes. And then last time I had it done, um, oddly enough, the purple faded to blue. So we put the blue on top, but the purple doesn't do so great in the mid range. Hmm. Um, so I, and I recently retired and I had mentioned to somebody, well, you know, on a fixed income, the hair color is probably going to have to go because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I have to, you know, I'll see how the fixed income works with, right. with things. I imagine when you have to 
when I do budgeting, you always look at the unnecessary things first. What are the things I don't absolutely need? Right. And we can argue about it, but at the end of the day, probably hair color isn't a need. Correct. Correct. So I ended up getting two gift certificates as retirement presents. So I'm, I am good to go and um, have an appointment in June so that when I go to a retreat in July, I will have fresh. Oh, vibrant. Yeah. And I think it will be purple on the top with the blue. It's going to look great. It's so fun. Every time you do it, and to sort of announce it with these pictures, it looks so great. And it's so lovely to know that part of that lovely and fun to know that that is a part of your identity exploration and that it can happen at any time and at any pace and at any age, but that this, this is something you've been um, not dealing, dealing with isn't the word I want, but like you have been grappling with it and exploring it and processing it for 16 years and still discovering new parts of yourself and new things to do. And one of the other things that happened last year is that I have never been great at Christmas time. I'm just not a great shopper. I'm, you know, pretty good all year long. If you need something, I'll get it for you. Surprising people with little things here and here and there. And I can't wrap. And my adopted mom excelled at the holidays. She was awesome. (laughs) So I would beat myself up over the fact that I could never achieve and just randomly. um, And I think this might uh, also be on Lily's podcast is that um, I just randomly texted my brother one night when I was failing at wrapping Christmas presents. And he said that, well, mom wasn't that great at Christmas either, but she was good during the year. And I was like, oh my God, had I known that the amount of psychological damage that I've done to myself over the years wouldn't have happened. Right. Over gift wrapping. Over gift wrapping. Over gift wrapping. It's amazing what these connections reveal. Yeah. Nature versus nurture. It's just amazing. Like, I, I don't know if you'd ask me to make a list of 100 things that, that are genetic or inherited, I would not have put Christmas, but absolutely. We all know the people that are good at Christmas. (laughs) They all know what you mean. As soon as you said it, Mm um, yeah, that it really like takes the expression. It runs in the family to a whole new level. Yeah. 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 And, and then I, I learned that I mean, one of my coping skills, well, was minimizing. Um, So I had to learn to let go of minimizing. And my new model is I have to feel it to heal it, which is Mm -hmm. a whole new ballgame. You know, it's really weird at 65 to be processing the things that I realized I never processed before. I thought I had processed them, but I truly hadn't. Um, I had minimized, I had minimized, I'd minimized the processing. Right. 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 That's your default. Um, That's so brave of you. I think, I think it's so brave. I think so many people and I think the majority of people um, past a certain age, just think, well, 
it is what it is. I am who I am. Oh, well, and you, yeah. you're still, you're still willing to mm, march through the muck. And, and it was the immediate loss of 20 pounds once I knew my full identity that made me wake up and say, oh, wait a minute. This obesity was a coping scale. Mm, wow. This, it's, it seems, I think, like a small thing. I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I'm not going to put words into anybody's mouth about why they make all the choices they make about adoption, the to tell or not to tell. But I think they think it's a, I think people, blah, 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 blah. I assume they imagine it's a small thing that it just, this will just make it easier. This will just, you know, like, um, and it's like the different, all of the layers and the angles that it's, that it's turns out it's affecting. It's sort of a, like, you know how they, like those butterfly effect examples where people Mm -hmm. are, you know, it's just one little thing. And it's like this whole different dimension of you is discovered, right? Like it's, And, and, you know, back, back in, in my day, you know, my parents were told, oh, she's mm-hmm. a blank slate. Totally. You, know, you don't want to tell her. You just, you know, she's yours. And, just erase it. Just erase it off the line. Right. right. And then like, came, you know, books like The Primal Wound and things like that, where they're now starting to see that, no, it's actually a trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trauma that is still, it's still affecting you and you're still uncovering it and you're still healing it. Yes. Well, thank you so much for doing it because you're leading the way. You're really just an amazing um, role model for NPEs and late <laughs> discovery adoptees. You get you get a double double winner, double winner categorization. And I think um, I would be remiss not to mention that you are facilitating at the Phoenix retreat, right? Yes. Okay, and that and tell me a little, just a little bit about that. You're going to be. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to. My my hobby is art, um, and a long time ago, I fell in love with a design called Zentangle. Um, there's a whole lot more to it that the philosophy behind it I really haven't studied yet, um, but I'm going to teach a Zentangle design. Oh, cool! I'm really excited. I hope I get to sit in on one. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for telling this next part of your story. It's really interesting that when you, so when you had done your episode with Lily Wood on NPE stories, you had not connected with your bio dad and you had right. not ever co- colored your hair. No, no. Right. We were, we were waiting for the DNA results to come back. Wow. Cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for the update and for talking to me more about it. We, we spend some time together at the retreats, but I don't think you and I have ever had just like a one-on-one. I'm like, I don't, I've listened to your episode, but like, I feel like I'm getting to know you in this new, deeper way that I, I had didn't know, didn't know I was missing, but I am loving right now. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank And thank you for doing these podcasts because they're fabulous. Oh, well, Thanks. They're fun for me too. I mean, I do it. it. I, do, I do it for me. I, right now, this hour has been the most fulfilling that I'll have today. You know, today, this week, this month, like every time I'm with someone, it is like a very specific, special, fulfilling experience that I don't get anywhere else. So I have to keep doing it. 
for my own healing. Mm -hmm. And then it just happens to be that I can put them out as podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And, and absolutely. The more you tell your story, more healing comes. And I've also learned to write. And I know that mm -hmm. I will write a book because that is how I will heal, whether I hope it would be published. Um, but if not, it's just the fact that I need to write it to completely heal. I'll read it. Okay. <laughs> um, great. Well, thank you so much. Go on and have thank a you. wonderful weekend. You too. Um, and I will, uh, I'll be in touch with you soon. Are, am I going to see you in New Jersey? New Jersey? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So I'll see you next All week. Right. Okay. <laughs> You're the only person I could ever say that to on here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much definitely you're welcome awesome. thank you oh man thank really you. beautiful beautiful all right talk to you soon yeah bye, bye bye pardon this interruption you know something i've been thinking about a lot over here at everything's relative podcast sex so let's talk about setting the mood that's right the mood you know when you want to get intimate or perhaps after you've gotten intimate be it by yourself or with a partner there is something you need to have on your nightstand Maud. Maud is redefining what sexual wellness and modern intimacy looks like. They are creating a whole new chapter in the outdated sexual wellness industry. Maud makes modern, body safe, and high quality essentials for before, during, and after sex. They have a whole variety of products like vibrators, lubricants, and condoms. Their products are absolutely beautiful with a lot of attention paid to design, sustainability, and simplicity. Basically, if sexual wellness has a name, it would be Maud. Honestly, these are products you want to be seen in your bedroom instead of hiding them. And I don't know if you guys know how ad partnerships work with podcasts, but they sent me some products and let's just say everyone here at Everything's Relative, everyone is satisfied. One of the coolest things about Maud is that it is a female-led Latinx-founded company. Their founder, Ava, created Maud for all bodies, all genders, all races. Dakota Johnson just joined Maud as their co-creative director. Hello. And guess what? You, listeners of Everything's Relative Podcast, are getting a treat from Maud. As our partner, Maud is giving $5 off your first order on all products with the code Everything's Relative. Head over to getmod.com forward slash Everything's Relative. That's getmaude.com and use Everything's Relative to get $5 off your first order. Enjoy the mood setting. I want to thank Kathleen again for her willingness to share her story and her willingness to keep trying to heal and find different aspects of herself and how an LDA has affected her. I really love the way she she's open. That's the feeling I get about Kathleen is that she's really open to discovery. And that is exciting, um, both as a NPE myself and then and then also just as a therapist, sure, I can say like professionally, it's very exciting when I meet someone that seems to be open-minded with an open heart to uh, new experiences and new learning processes. But um, yeah, just really great. And it is, it's totally, I mean, I don't know why I would have lied about it, but it's totally true that we have spent a lot of time together at the retreats and have never, just never sat and had a one-on-one -on -one or, or talked very much. Um, and I'd listened to her story at Lily Lily's podcast, NPE Stories, but that was really, that was really fun. And I, um, I hope this doesn't sound backhanded, but it was like really, I feel really pleasantly surprised right now. Um, if you are feeling pleasantly surprised or any other kind of 
strong feeling about this podcast, I would love it if you would please go on to whatever listening platform you're using and leave a review about my podcast. Give me a star rating, leave a review. That's how these things survive. Um, we really need it. And it's a way that I can get feedback and find out what people are liking or not liking. Another way you can give me feedback is you can send me an email, eve at everythingsrelativepodcast.com. It's also how you can contact me if you want to tell your story or come on here and talk about anything else related to DNA discoveries. Um, go to my website, www.everythingsrelativepodcast.com to find resources that you might need, including the new journal that I have just put out called Who Even Am I Anymore? A process journal for NPEs, LDAs, DCPs, and the MPE community. It's available on amazon.com. Is that everything I'm supposed to say at the end of this podcast? Can everybody remember all the things that I say or that you might even skip over? Patreon. Go to my Patreon. This is a listener-supported podcast. I can't do it if I am not getting a little bit of support from my listeners. Go over to Patreon. You can give me very, very little amount per month, and I will try and hook you up with all sorts of goodies and events, especially now that the pandemic is winding down. I wouldn't dare say it's over, but it looks like in-person events and get-togethers are becoming something more of a reality. So that's fun. Okay, that's it. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope that spring is sprunging wherever you are. Probably by the time this episode airs, it will be warm across the country. And that's my weather report for today. I will see you soon. One more time. My name is Eve Sturgis, and this is my podcast, Everything's Relative. Don't forget to put the toilet seat down. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. Mm-hmm.